Well, good morning. Thank you all for braving this uh, weather and coming. I, I, it's not lost on me that you decided to come today, so I'm really, really glad that you're here. Like Tino said, my name is David Jacob Maldonado. I'm one of the pastors here. And let me just go ahead and give another welcome to those of you who consider yourself to be new around here. Maybe it's a first time, second time, or fifth time. I'm so glad that you decided to join us. Also, just want to welcome anybody who's watching us on our live stream or maybe watching this later. Deci love that you decided to join us, even if it's virtually. You're always welcome to join us here on, on Sunday morning. Well, we are coming down to the end of our current sermon series. This is a rather short sermon series that we've just been simply calling Something Precious. And this is a series that we paired with our 21-day fast because... In, in this, you know, short time period, 21 days, it gives us an opportunity to let go of maybe some of the things that are crowding our lives and maybe take this as an opportunity to make an assessment as to what we're really holding on to. What is really precious in our lives? Not what we say is precious, but what's really precious in our lives. And perhaps, perhaps those are some of the things that we can give over to the Lord. The beloved King David said in 2 Samuel 24, he said, I won't bring God something that costs me nothing. Now, that's a very beautiful and poetic statement from a poet, King David. But for me, that's an incredibly bold challenge, right? What are those precious things, those things that would cost me something? What are those things that I could offer to the Lord? A couple weeks ago, Pastor Gina opened the series talking about how we can offer the precious gift of prayer. Prayer doesn't have to be this, you know, just this humdrum sort of mechanical aspect of our devotion to God. It can be a gift that we offer, a gift of conversation, a gift of our time and commitment to communing with our God through prayer. Last week, we continued the series talking about giving God the precious gift of our resources. Now, I realize that, you know, we can think about and interact with money very differently, all of us, certainly. But, you know, what is true for all of us is that our resources, however, we might ha uh, however much we might have, are a precious, precious gift that we can give to the Lord. No matter how much you have in your pocket, whatever you offer to the Lord can be a precious gift. To God. Amen? Well, when Pastor Gino asked me what uh, I wanted to talk about this morning or what I maybe felt led to talk about, I immediately knew. I knew that I wanted to talk about giving God the precious gift of our hopes and dreams. You know, whether or not you think about them as a fantastical or romanticized version of the future, you know, I imagine that all of us, all of us sitting right here, uh, sitting here today, have some hope and dreams of what we want our future to look like. For some of us, this is such a personal thing that we don't talk about it with anybody. Others of us, we've been holding on to hopes and dreams for decades, and we're still waiting for things to work themselves out. Maybe you know the pain and disappointment of holding on to hopes and dreams, and then for whatever reason, they just... They're no longer a possibility. Every once in a while, I remember the list that my wife gave me uh, soon after we got married. It was a list that she wrote as a young woman 
of all the attributes that she wanted in a husband. And I got a little teary-eyed, and I grabbed the list, and I started reading it. And it didn't take me long to realize that I was not <laughs> the man that she had dreamt about. See, you thought the story was going to go differently, didn't you? It's, it's a true story, true story. Um, you know, if you ask Jenny, and she's, she's with the kids this morning, if you ask her, maybe she'll tell you that, that, you know, she got a better deal or something like that. But every once in a while, every once in a while, I see the emptiness in her eyes <laughs> as she looks at me and sees hopes and dreams not met. I don't know. Anyway. So I'm thinking through this sermon, and I'm talking to my beloved wife, Jenny, about hopes and dreams, you know, because she's had dreams that haven't come to pass, and I thought she might get it. And as I'm describing the sermon, like, I'm, I'm, I'm describing it, I'm getting really excited about it, and she is completely uninterested. Just absolutely, just blank face. She's probably doing something, and it's like, whatever, okay. And I, I, I figured I'm not explaining it well enough. So I like repackage it, I reword it, I try to explain it again and again, just absolutely unmoved by what I was saying. And it occurred to me in that moment, and, I, and I'm very grateful for that conversation, that, because between the two of us, I'm the one with my head in the clouds. I'm the one with big hopes and dreams and plans for the future. And maybe Jenny has some hopes and dreams, big hopes and dreams for the future, but she cares so much more about what's happening today or what's on the calendar for this week or how to make sure that our family stays in rhythm this month. And so that conversation, again, I, I, I feel like God reminded me that some of us hold on to big plans and big dreams that we could give over as a precious gift to him and others of us are focused more on our current calendars. And maybe there's some overlap between the two. And so I just, I just feel like maybe the challenge for us today, in my mind, shifted a little bit. But the challenge for us today isn't just to give God the big hopes and dreams. It also isn't just to give God access to our calendars. I feel like the precious gift that we can give God today tomorrow and for the rest of our lives is all of our plans. The precious gift that we can give to God is all of our plans. Letting him have the final say in what's happening today, this week, tomorrow, and giving him, giving him the final say in the, the big trajectory of our lives. Sometimes this can be easy to do, right? especially when our lives aren't going so well. You know, we're, we're, we're trying to do things our way, things aren't going so well, and we say, okay, God, all right, you got it. Here's the wheel, you drive, you know, I'll, I'll follow you, I'll do whatever you say. In those moments, maybe it's a little easier to let God determine our steps. But if you're like me and you're not necessarily in a desperate moment of your life, this can be a little difficult because, you know, we have plans. Whether in the short term or the long term. Maybe you feel like you have a pretty firm list of obligations to your family, to work, school, or whatever. Maybe giving this gift to God 
might affect your career goals. Maybe giving the precious gift of your plans to God might change the way that you raise your kids or where you live, where you raise your kids. Maybe you have finally come into a comfortable rhythm in your life and you've got things worked out and it just is working. And to give God access to those plans might interrupt that. Maybe that's the case. So sometimes giving God this precious gift is easy. Sometimes it's not, right? Well, this morning I want to spend the rest of our time imagining how our lives might be different if we gave God all of our plans. And to help us, I want to look at a story of some people who did just that. I want to talk about the story of Jesus calling his first disciples. It's slightly different um, slightly different versions of, of this interaction with Jesus and his first disciples and the first four books of the New Testament. Um, but this morning I want to look at, look at the versions in Luke and look at the versions uh, in Matthew. I, I'm going to start reading in Luke chapter 5. Um, you're welcome to follow along with me. It's Luke chapter 5 starting in verse 1. And then we'll jump to the passage in Matthew, Matthew chapter 4. You're welcome to follow along with me. However, it's most convenient for you. Uh, there's some Bibles at the end of your row that you're welcome to use your, your phones, tablets, whatever you like. The words will also be, also be displayed on the screen. So while you, while you look that up, that uh, first passage in Luke chapter 5, um, let me pray for just the rest of our time this morning. Father, I thank you that you are good and you are faithful and you love us. And that as we give things to you, we're not giving things to a bully. We're not giving things to a God who's indifferent, doesn't care. God, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that you accept our gifts and that you love us and you want to use those gifts to help us and to show us your love and to show us uh, more of who you are. And so God, I just... I just welcome your Holy Spirit to come, to, to speak to us, uh, all of us, as we, as we are just coming to this room from many different places. God, we, we need to hear your voice. Will you teach us? Will you guide us? Will you challenge us? And will you help us to respond? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1, I'm going to read to verse 11, and then I'm just going to jump right over to Matthew chapter 4. Uh, starting verse 18. It says, One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds uh, pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boat, boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout for help brought, brought their partners into the boat and soon both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please, 
Please lead me. I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that they had caught, as were the others with him. His partner, partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 18. This one's a little shorter. It says, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting on their boat, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called to them uh, to come, too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. So if we're talking about giving God our plans, I'm not sure that there's a more open-handed example than this, right? I mean, these guys were literally in the middle of their day jobs. They were literally doing something, and they dropped everything to follow Jesus. This wasn't just a casual shift in their lives. They didn't just follow Jesus around for a day or two. In that moment, these guys decided to massively shift the trajectory of their lives. They gave up their immediate plans for the day, and in the same moment, they gave up on whatever future plans they might have had for themselves and for their family. And I think this life-changing moment for these young men serves as a tremendous example for our lives. I think that as we look at this story, it envelops a lot of what we can learn about what it means to give God our plans. A few things jump out at me. The first thing, and maybe the most important thing in my mind, is that they gave up their plans as an invitation or a response to an invitation. These young men were, were decided to follow Jesus as a response to an invitation. Jesus simply said, come, and follow me. He didn't threaten them or coerce them or use his divine heavenly authority to compel them to come with him. Instead, he invited them to lay down their plans and to pick up his plans for their lives. I've been teaching my boys recently that if you ask somebody to do something for you or if you ask somebody to give you something, if you're not willing to hear the word no, then what you're actually doing is demanding things from them, right? And of course, demanding things from people is not loving. It's not okay. And we shouldn't do that. And Jesus doesn't do that here. He doesn't demand anything. Instead, he invites them. Now, listen, I realize that Jesus says some some, some pretty uh, frank things to his disciples. He says, if you want to be my disciple, you must take up your cross and follow me. That's, a, that's, a, that's not much of an invitation. Jesus, like, I don't know that I want that cross. He says some pretty harsh things. 
I know that he tells us that whoever tries to hold on to their lives will lose it. But whoever gives up their lives for him will save it. I realize that Jesus says some pretty strong things, and I know that he sets a very high bar for the people that follow him. But he does not demand that we follow him. It's important that we understand this, and I think it's also really important to say that Jesus would not have loved these young men any differently if they would have said, no thanks, Jesus. I've got some other, other things. They would obviously missed out on the incredible opportunity and the blessings and the wisdom and the adventure of following Jesus. They would have missed out on the opportunity to, to, to partner with Jesus and, and advance his kingdom and to do some amazing things. They would have missed out a lot if they would have not accepted his invitation, but Jesus would have still loved them and he still would have died for them. And in a similar way, Jesus is inviting us to lay down our lives and our plans for his. And if and when we decide to give God our plans, we have to do it as a response to an invitation. We have to. Otherwise, I'm not sure, you know, we'll be following Jesus for very long. I'm not sure that we'll be able to follow Jesus with the freedom and the reckless abandon that these young men were able to have. I mean, what if I stood up here and said, hey, listen, you need to follow Jesus or else Gino's going to come get you. <laughs> you don't want Gino to come get you. I mean, what if I said that? Anything that we give after that wouldn't really be a gift. It would be a response to a stick-up, right? You know, as Pastor Gino said last week, anything that we give out of a sense of compulsion, it's not a gift, right? It's not pleasing and precious to God. Whatever we give, we give as a response to an invitation to allow Jesus to lead us in the big ways and in the small ways. And it's our choice in how we respond. It's a commitment we make for ourselves and if we don't hold that posture, that heart posture, we will probably not be following Jesus for very long. Because, as the disciples figured out pretty quickly, God's plans are often hard to follow. That's the second thing that jumps out at me in this passage. How many of you know that God's plans are hard, often hard to follow? You know, I'm a movie guy, and so when I read the Bible, I, like, imagine these cinematic moments, right? Imagine Jesus, you know, the, the rushing of the waves and just everything about that moment just being superly dramatic and him call, coming. And, I, and, I, and I, I love to imagine that these guys, like, you know, are overwhelmed with the, the divine power that Jesus has, and they fall to their knees in desperation. And maybe it happened like that. Or maybe they just simply said, okay. Yeah, I'll come. However they said yes, there's some practical reality shifts in their lives. The ultimate reality is that they decided to leave their day jobs, leave whatever structured rhythms they had to their life. They decided to leave 
the community, and everything else by saying yes to Jesus. And essentially, after they decided to follow Jesus, they lived a life that was not too far off from a vagrant. They would spend so much time on the road, sleeping on, on dirt, going from place to place, very far away from the comforts of home. And to top it all off, when they got there, people didn't always like them. I mean, it's one thing to give things up for Jesus, but when you finally get there, like, ah, there's going to be a bed there. That's not, wasn't always the case, right? They did not live a comfortable life. Now, I'm pretty sure that God took care of their basic needs. I'm sure of it. But my point is that their lives got harder and not easier when they decided to follow Jesus. Now, before you freak out, <laughs> I can tell you that's not necessarily a certainty, but it's a possibility that we should be prepared for. We have to be prepared for this. It's very, very possible that if you say yes to Jesus, he might tell you to take a lower paying job so that you can be a light in a dark place. Jesus might tell you to live in an impoverished community so that you can respond to the immediate needs of the poor in a way that you just simply couldn't otherwise. It's very, very possible that Jesus is calling you to make friends with difficult people. Difficult, and if you came here today with them, don't look at them. Just look at me, lock eyes. And not just make friends with them, but like stay friends with them. Some of you are thinking like, man, David Jacobs is my difficult friend. Thank you, thank you for being my friend. so that you can show them the love of Jesus that no one else would. It's very possible that you won't have the same amount of money in your retirement account because Jesus tells you to give generously throughout the course of your career. Maybe your family won't be able to do all the desired activities because how God has called you and your family to serve in the kingdom of God. It's also very possible that your decision to follow Jesus will affect the people around you. In Matthew uh, 4, verse 22, and that's part of the reason why I read that passage, it says that James and John immediately followed Jesus, leaving the boat and their father behind. Now, as a father, I'd love to think that Zebedee was like, okay, boys, like, go change the world. But I, I'm also thinking, like, he's just there now holding a bunch of nets to be like, yo, what, what's going on here? Like, I need you guys to help me with this, right? I mean, James and, uh, James and John left Zebedee in a bind. Fishing was their family occupation. Their family finances, extended family finances would have been affected because of James and John accepting Jesus's invitation. Sometimes following God's plans leads us away from people who usually rely on us. I know that sounds harsh, but sometimes that's what it takes. 
And again, this isn't a certainty. It's not a certainty, but it's a possibility that we need to be prepared for if we truly want to give God all of our plans. This make sense? You guys with me? All right. The third thing that jumps out at me is that God's plans are often different than ours. God's plans are often different than ours. I think you look at this story, and it's easy to see how this plays out, right? Jesus is, is, it completely alters the trajectory of these young men's lives. They were fishermen in a small fishing village, and then suddenly they are traveling with a, with, with a rabbi, a teacher, who would change the world. Jesus dramatically alters the trajectory of their lives. And maybe for some of us, um, you know, that, that might be easy to see. Like, okay, if I follow Jesus, man, that big thing is going to change in my life. But I think we can also see here in this story how Jesus changes their small plans as well. And we actually find a couple ways he does that in a couple of the uh, details of the story. I see that at the beginning of the passage in Luke, let me read it again. Luke 5, starting in verse 1, it says, One day Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Great crowds pressed in on him and to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats on the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let your nets down to catch some fish. All right, so let's picture this. We have expert fishermen who have been fishing their entire lives. After a long night, packing up their nets, probably going home to sleep or to eat or whatever. And then Jesus comes by and says, hey, hey wait a minute, wait a minute. I know you're about to leave, but you mind if I use your boats for a little while? I, I, I see you packing up. I'm sorry. Do you mind if I just I teach? Teach from your boats. And so Jesus does that. He, he gets into the boats. He teaches. And then he gets out of the boat and he says, hey, look, look, I, I, I saw you packing up your nets. But um, hey, before you, before you go home, can, can you go back out into the water? And, uh, you know, those nets that you just packed up, can you lay them out again to go get some fish? Man, these couple requests coming from Jesus aren't anything, you know, close to these huge life-changing plans, but Jesus does change the plans for their day, right? They were about to go this way, packing things up, and Jesus says, hey, wait a minute, before you go that way, can you do these couple things real quick? He changes their plans in that moment. You know, I feel like God's bigger plans, you know, giving God our big plans might be a little easier to say yes to, right? You know, something that's way far away gives a little bit of time to, you know, just process it, emotionally accept it, right? It's a little more challenging to be interruptible in the moment. It's a little tougher when Jesus says, hey, I know you're about to go do this thing, but hey, before you do that, can you do this real quick? You know, if, you were, if Jesus were to encounter me or any one of us today, 
He might say something like, listen, I know, I know you just finally got your house cleaned up. I know that you've got it all set up. You bought some new decorations. But, but hey, listen, can I borrow your house to host a small group? <laughs> Look, it's just going to be 10 weeks. Now, one week has already passed. It's really only nine weeks. Can I borrow your house real quick? I want to I wanna encounter some people in your home. I know you just had a long day at the office. I know you're ready to go home and just kick on Netflix and zone out. But hey, listen, can you, get, can you give sister so-and-so a call? I know she talks a lot. I know she's difficult. But before you zone out, can you go give them a call? Because she really needs you. She really needs me right now. Can you go do that real quick? Hey, listen, I, look, I know that you're on your way out the door at the grocery store. Like, you got your food. You're ready to go make some dinner. Right, but before you leave, before you leave, can you go pray for my man right here? He's limping, and he looks like he needs some prayer. I know you got that little extra stash of money. I know you were going to buy that thing, but look, you mind, you mind getting that other thing instead? You mind giving it away to that, those other people who need it? And of course, I can give you scenario after scenario of Jesus saying, hey, I know you were going to do this. Before you do that, can you do this instead? I mean, give God the big dreams. Okay, God, 20 years from now, I'll do something. But what about, what about in the moment? Do we give God our plans in the moment? All right, so at this point, you're thinking like, okay, preacher, you want me to willfully give up my plans to God, which will probably make my life harder, and it will, and I'll seemingly be interrupted daily, if not moment by moment. Why would I do that? You're, you're not really selling this for me. Why would, I, why would I just give God all my plans? Doesn't sound good. Well, I think there are a few reasons, but there's one really big reason that I'll pull from this passage here. And that is that God's plans align us with our purpose. God's plans align us with our purpose. When Jesus called his disciples, he wasn't just give, you know, inviting them to follow him around for a couple days. He was calling them into a life that God had already planned for them. He tells them, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. Come and follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. Being a fisherman was their day job, but that wasn't who they were, right? Jesus was calling them because he knew that God, from the beginning of time, had called these young men to be the first wave of evangelists and apostles for his church, for the kingdom of God. He was calling them into the life as founders of the early church that has now endured for some 2,000 years. They were fishermen by trade, but that was not who they were. God intended them for so much more. One of my favorite passages in the, in the Bible is Ephesians 2, starting in verse 8. This might be familiar for some of you. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for it. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so that None of us can boast about it. 
And a lot of people just stop right there. Because it's such an amazing reminder of God's precious gift to us, the free gift of salvation. Glory, hallelujah. It's an amazing couple verses. But my favorite verse is verse 10. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Turn to your neighbor and say, so that. So that. We can do the things he had planned for us long ago. Jesus didn't just come and die on the cross so that, you know, he could do this, this thing, cosmic thing that would allow us to connect with our Father in heaven. He didn't, he didn't just, you know, extend these free gifts of, of salvation and just say, okay, if you just accept this, then you're all good. He didn't just come to do a few miracles and teach a few parables. Part of the reason why he came was so that we could follow him and, and be the people that we were always meant to be. And to do the things that we were always meant to do. You know, I know that letting God call the shots might turn our lives upside down. But, it, but making that decision might be difficult for some of us. It's also incredibly inconvenient. But it's also the only way. The only way that we could live the lives that we're supposed to live. It's also the only way that we can become the people that we were always meant to be. It's the only way that we can partner with our Father in heaven to extend the kingdom of God here on this earth. You know, so much of what I hear in cultural commentary is give up everything. Give up everything, doesn't matter what it is, your marriage, whatever. Give up everything so that you can be happy and that you can come to know your true self. Have you heard that language? And I think what Jesus would tell us is, I was there at the creation of the earth. I was there when God the Father knit you in your mother's womb. I am the one who created all things, and I am the one who conquered death. If you want to know who you truly are, if you want to know what your life is supposed to be about, come and follow me. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Let me order your steps. And I will show you what a rich and satisfying life really is. Come to me. You know, I know it can, it can be, we could be easily distracted by all the things we might need to give up in order to follow God. When you consider all that you will gain, is it worth it? Is it worth it? I think so. It's worth it to know who you are and to do what you were always meant to do. Listen, I know that this is hard, and worship team, you can start making your way back up. That's part of what makes this gift so precious, right? If I were to guess, I'd say that there are a few of us who are like the first disciples who are willing to drop everything and just go follow Jesus. So you just, I don't care what's going on, I'm, I'm going to go. But I imagine most of us might find it a little bit more difficult to completely give God all of our plans. Some of us have really big hopes and dreams, things that we've been waiting for for a long time. 
And it's not so easy to give that up. Others of us may be more concerned about the convenience and rhythm of our lives, and we don't want to give that up. We finally figured things out. We finally figured out how we're going to do this thing and get to where we want to go. I understand that this is hard. No matter what you decide, Jesus is still going to love you. He still died for you. He still invites you into his family. No matter what you decide. But I stand here before you today wholeheartedly believing that the scriptures say that the more we give to God, the more peace we will experience in our lives. The more we give to God, the more we will understand his heart for us, for the world around us. The more we give to God, the more we will know who we truly are and what we are truly meant to do. I wholeheartedly believe that giving the precious gift of uh, the, the, giving God the precious gift of our plans, big plans and small plans, will bless God and bless us in ways that we simply can't imagine. I believe that. And if you've been following Jesus for any length of time, maybe you have some sense of what I'm talking about. But I also believe that there might be some people here today who have never given God their plans. They've never given their life over to Jesus. And if that's you today, why can't today be that day? Why wait? Why not make the decision to say, okay, Jesus, I hear you. I hear your invitation. And I'm going to give it a shot. Why can't today be that day? Jesus is not demanding. He's not going to force you into this. And instead, he is inviting you to trust him. Trust him that he knows more than you, that he loves you more than you can imagine. And he's got you. And it might be tough, but he's got you. And if you want to, if you want to accept that invitation, why wait? Why wait? You could pray to God in your own way. Well, maybe to help you with some of that language, we have a prayer that um, we often show and help people with. And so if, if you've decided to make that decision today, to let Jesus call the shots in your life, would you pray this with me this morning? You can get, the, get it up on the screen. And for those of you who have already made this commitment, would you be willing to pray with me as well? It says, Dear Lord Jesus, you guys can pray with me. I know that I am a sinner. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that prayer and meant it, we welcome you to the family of faith. We welcome you. We welcome you. And I'm going to tell you a secret. I know the mic's on, but I'm going to tell you a secret. None of us are perfect and have figured this out completely. We are trying to follow Jesus the best that we can. 
And so as a community, we would just love to walk that journey with you. And so if you prayed that and meant that, you know, we're going to get into some ministry time in a little bit. We'd love to just sort of just confirm that with you and pray. There can be some folks um, lined up over there to just uh, uh, pray with you about that. I just want to welcome you. Might be tough. Might be interrupted, but it's worth it. Amen? Let me just say a real quick prayer. Father in heaven, I thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. I thank you how, you, how much you love us more than we can imagine. I thank you that your invitation is wide and open. We don't have to be qualified in any way. We just simply need to say yes. God, I thank you for how you're going to take care of us. God, will you meet us here as we just worship a little bit more? Will you just speak to us and imprint your words on our hearts? Come, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.